This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. We're broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. Um, we have a great show for you as usual. Um, for information on the show, you should check out our blog, which is at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And always check out the Internet Law Center's website, internetlawcenter.net. And so today we're going to talk about two things. Um, Two different separate battles. One is of the battle over local broadband. Um, Twenty states currently restrict states' abilities, restrict um, local governments' ability to build or provide broadband infrastructure, and that's something we've talked about on this show a number of times um, in talking about the um, gigabit cities, from you know um, Chattanooga to Kansas City, and, and possibly even Los Angeles eventually. And then in the second half, we're going to be talking about the battle over Congress. Um, there was an interesting race in Florida yesterday where they had their primary, and we're going to have the Democratic nominee for the Florida's 10th Congressional District, Michael Mack, uh, McKenna, who um, won a resounding um, primary victory and has knocked over 50,000, knocked, should say knocked down, <laughs> over 50,000 doors. Um, I think knocking over will get him a little bit of trouble. But in any event... Um, but we're going to be starting our show um, with James Baller, and he is um, with the um, Coalition for Local Internet Choice, and um, they're they're advocating three key principles that internet is essential for the 21st century infrastructure. Local communities are the lifeblood of America, and communities must be able to make their own choices when it comes to internet infrastructure. So, um, Jim, are you with us? I'm with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, thank you for, for coming on. Now, tell us a little bit about, I guess, CLIC <laughs> is the acronym? Yes. Yes, that's what it is. Um, our uh, principles that you just articulated are uh, what we stand for. Uh, we believe that uh, communities that are most affected by uh, the Internet in so many ways should have a, a major role in determining uh, how to get the best possible uh, broadband connectivity to the Internet. And uh, our um, mission is, is not to embrace any particular uh, technology or business model. Uh, some communities may choose to work with willing incumbent carriers. Some may want to uh, work with uh, new entrants in uh, public-private partnerships of various kinds. Some may feel it necessary to develop networks of their own. Uh, however they do it, whatever works for them, our key point is that communities need to be involved in that process to a major degree. They should not be preempted from doing the things that are important to them to make it possible for them to get the best possible networks for their community. 
Now, I was, I was just looking at your website, and um, you know, your organization has some some pretty heavy hitters uh, on it. Most notably, I noticed um, Vince Sir. Yes, uh, Vince has uh, been for he he's known as one of the fathers of the internet, and he has believed for a very long time that uh, uh, broadband connectivity uh, is something that. Uh, is importantly a matter of local choice, uh, and that has been uh, Google's position as well over the years. Uh, and our other members of our uh, diverse uh, board of directors feel the same thing and have uh, uh, acted uh, forcefully on their own in their own careers and with their companies to uh, promote local choice. So. Um over the past several years, a number of states um, have enacted legislation to prevent, um, you know, municipalities and local governments from making their own decisions when it comes to um, broadband access, for example, and it, which appears to be kind of driven by um, the internet service providers not wanting competition from. Um, you know, from the municipalities. Is that a kind of a fair assessment of where we are? That's true, and uh, it's very unfortunate um, because communities generally uh, would not uh, even consider taking matters into their own hands if they felt that their needs were being adequately met. And so this is the worst of world, worlds for them, uh, they can't get the services they want from the private sector, and at the same time, their options in uh, finding alternatives are being blocked in some of these states as well. And in you know, in some of the, in, in, and how does the debate get framed in those states? I mean, what what is the argument put forth in favor of this, other than um, <laughs> this is the the cable ISP lobby, and um, we don't want to mess with them. Well, uh, the various uh, laws that impose these barriers uh, differ from state to state, and uh, they have a common purpose and effect of making it as difficult and burdensome and costly uh, for uh, public entities to uh, provide service or enter into partnerships uh, as possible. And um, the arguments that are generally advanced in support of these uh, kinds of restrictions are, uh, number one, that the public sector should not compete with the private sector, uh, that these projects uh, uh, are likely to fail, that the uh, public uh, sector has various advantages over the private sector, uh, that um, uh, th those are those are the major arguments. Uh, another is that uh, uh, these projects are supported by taxpayer funding, and it is unfair for the private sector to have to compete with uh, public uh, publicly funded uh, projects. Uh, each of these arguments is uh, incorrect, and uh, when you when you step back and look at the arguments individually, they are inaccurate. And uh, when you look at them all uh, in combination, uh, they seem to uh, express a uh, a uh, reason why uh, there should be restrictions that uh, state legislatures uh, sometimes accept, but. When you analyze each of the arguments in detail, they all fall apart. And um, so let's take one of it. I mean, for example, it seems somewhat inc inconsistent. They're saying that you have certain advantages, but that you're certain to fail. <laughs> well, okay, let's start with that. Uh, there have been a very small handful of projects that have struggled um, in for a variety of reasons. In some cases, the state laws themselves uh, restrict the uh, business models that the uh, public entities can use and, and therefore uh, make it very uh, 
highly likely that they're not going to be as successful as um, they could be. Sometimes the projects encounter uh, practices by the incumbent carriers that are um, predatory in nature. Uh, but, uh, but by and large, uh, it is untrue to say that these uh, small numbers of uh, projects that have struggled are representative of projects as a whole. There are over 400 uh, public uh, broadband projects of various kinds across the country, and uh, the great majority of them are successful, some of them spectacularly uh, successful. So the claim, first of all, that the projects are likely to fail is uh, inaccurate. That's just not true. Uh, so, and, and and why would why would the incumbent carriers uh, be concerned about projects that were going to fail? It's it's rather because they're not likely to fail that is that is uh, of greater concern to the incumbents. And um, you just you know, our listeners, we've had a number we've had a number of shows that have addressed the um, the growth of. Uh, the ultra broadband or the gigabit mm -hmm. um, city, and, and particularly with respect to Charleston, and excuse me, not Charleston, Chattanooga, and um, and the success that they've had, and and so it, which was you know would be an example of I, I guess of what you're talking about. I mean, Chattanooga is now on their about to or, or has or about to be on their fifth anniversary of launching you know their the gigabit city and. Uh, um, I'm sure that's a concern for ISPs. Well, can I step back for just a second and talk sure. about why these projects are so important and why communities are uh, so uh, interested in them? Sure. Um, That'd be helpful. High-capacity broadband networks are the electricity of the 21st century. A century ago, when the country was electrifying itself, the uh, electric power companies tended to focus on their most uh, lucrative markets, and they couldn't serve everywhere and uh, meet local demand everywhere at the same time. So at that point, uh, some 3,000 communities across the country stepped forward and developed their electric utilities uh, of their own, and those that did survived and thrived, and many that waited for the private sector to get around to them uh, did not uh, succeed. Some even um, uh, turned into ghost towns. Today, high-capacity broadband networks support just about everything that, are, that is important to communities. They support robust economic development and uh, global competitiveness, educational opportunity, access to modern health care, smart transportation, energy security, environmental protection, uh, entertainment, uh, digital equity. All of these things and much more are all supported and driven by advanced communications networks. These networks enable each of those areas and many others to expand and grow and modernize all at the same time over the same networks. And that's why so many people across the country believe that it's important for them to have affordable access to these high-capacity networks. Most communities don't start with a prejudice as to what particular method of getting these networks uh, they 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 typically go first to the incumbent carriers and say, here's what our community needs and wants. Will you do it for us? And the private sector often responds, it's not economical for us to upgrade our networks uh, now, uh, and they they say no. Uh, often the communities go back and they keep asking and they keep getting the same answer. Eventually. They look for alternatives like Google and other uh, private sector carriers that might uh, be able to work with the communities. Sometimes they find that they have no choice but to move forward themselves if they are going to have the kind of 
uh, infrastructure that they feel that they need to be a 21st century community. And so uh, that's, that's why these networks are so important to communities, and they're important, they're important too for our country because the world is heading toward advanced communications infrastructure. The world's heading to a knowledge-based global economy. The nations that make it possible for their businesses and their residents and their institutions to have affordable access to advanced communications networks are going to be the ones that are most successful, most innovative, uh, most able to export their uh, products and services elsewhere, and it's critically important for the U.S. to stay uh, at least on a par with uh, the leading countries, and we hope to exceed them. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more about the battle over Muni broadband after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount. Or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know they're SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And you're back, and this is Bennett Kelly. We're talking to Jim Baller um, with the Coalition for Local Internet Choice, or CLIC. And um, we're talking about um, the growth and, and the restrictions currently being imposed on local broadband services. And uh, um, you know, Jim just outlined some of the, the efforts that have been made to um, block that growth at the state level, and it has gotten the attention of the um, federal communications chairman um, Wheeler, who um, believes that it may be um, preempted, um, and that the FCC may be able to block it. Although there has been a competing opinion issued by uh, a Republican commissioner who says that the FCC may lack that authority, um, could you help us understand that, Jim? Well, uh, to be honest, I, uh, speaking on behalf of CLIC, I, I, I'd like to be clear that uh, CLIC's position is to support the principle of local choice and uh, preemption, whether it happens at the FCC, uh, whether uh, it happens elsewhere, is, uh, is not a position on which uh, all members of CLIC agree. 
Okay. Uh, some believe that the FCC has authority and should exercise the authority to pre- preempt state laws. Uh, others uh, don't um, have positions on, on that issue. Others uh, believe in the principle of local choice, but don't believe that the uh, commission should exercise preemptive authority. So speaking for CLIC, uh, we, uh, we stick to the general principle that what unites all of our members is that uh, we're for local choice and uh, we uh, support as much uh, freedom for local uh, decision makers as possible. And so I, I have to take my click hat off to address uh, some of your uh, questions sure. about the preemption proceeding. I'm also counsel to Chattanooga and Wilson in that proceeding. So uh, anything I say uh, is not on behalf of CLIC, but uh, sure. in a different capacity. All right. Duly noted. Okay. So... Uh, and also, as counsel, I, I can't really get into detail. We've filed extensive uh, comments on why we believe that uh, Chairman Wheeler is correct, that the uh, commission has authority to preempt under a provision of the Communications Act uh, known as Section uh, 706. That's what it was called when it was first enacted. Um, this provision requires the FCC to uh, determine uh, whether advanced uh, telecommunications capabilities are being deployed to all Americans on a uh, timely and reasonable uh, basis. And if the FCC determines that that's not the case, uh, the law requires it to take immediate action to uh, to uh, remove barriers to broadband investment and to uh, foster competition. And it's that provision on which the petitions uh, by Chattanooga and Wilson have been filed. Uh, Others have a different view of what that provision means, and and that's what the uh, uh, controversy before the FCC and about the FCC's proceeding is about. And so, um, where where does it stand now? I know, you know, I've seen the public pronouncements by Wheeler, and then this recent um, release on the Republican side of the FCC. Um, what what would be the next step? Well, the FCC, uh, Chattanooga and Wilson filed their petition for removal of barriers on July twenty four. A few days later, the FCC opened a uh, comment period. Opening comments are due on the 29th of this month. Uh, Reply comments are due a month later on September 29th. After that, the uh, FCC will uh, take what's in the public record and uh, reach a decision during the period that the FCC is considering uh, comments uh, interested parties have an opportunity to uh, go and meet with the FCC and uh, file uh, uh, ex-party comments as long as they disclose the substance of the communications. And then the FCC will decide, and then uh, uh, the next step would be that if uh, the losing side uh, believes that an appeal is appropriate, there would be an appeal to a uh, federal court of appeals. And uh, so uh, main comments are due in a couple of days unless the FCC grants an extension of time that some parties have uh, requested. And um, this would be the first time the FCC has exercised its authority um, under the, the principle that broadband is not de- deploying in a, in a, uh, a proper manner. Is that correct? That's correct. This will be the first ruling under Section 706 of the uh, Communications Act. And um, so that that's clearly going to be, that's a significant point. And a lot, a lot of political ramifications go with that. You know, if Congress, if 
um, if the broadband is not being deployed in, in the, the measure in the manner specified, um, you know, there are probably other consequences, and, and that probably also would play into, I think, the whole debate over net neutrality, would it not? Um, there are there are connections between the issues. They're they're very complicated, and uh, uh, we at the uh, Coalition for Local Internet Choice have uh, chosen to focus solely on the uh, issue of local choice and uh, uh, try to keep that discussion as simple as possible. But there are certainly people who uh, believe that there's a connection. And um, I, I can understand you know, your, you know, your, your reticence because obviously you, you, you're speaking on behalf of an organization. Um, but you know, from just from my perspective, I think that you know, these are important rulings. This is about um, making broadband more available. This is about you know, providing choice for consumers. And, and that's ultimately what the net neutrality is about as well, is expanding consumer choice, not restricting consumer choice. And uh, you know, these are very important principles. And, and this is, you know, in essence, the battle over the future of the Internet. Um, I, I personally completely agree with you. <laughs> the implementation is, uh, is very complicated, and um, uh, we, could, we could talk for days about uh, these issues in greater detail. But on the, the core principle that uh, the Internet ought to be as, Available and affordable, and free to free meaning uh, not restricted, as distinguished from without cost uh, to everyone. Uh, I think that that would be uh, a goal that uh, would would benefit everyone if we could achieve it as a country. Now um, we only have a few minutes left. If people want to learn more about Click, and now um, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, the best way would be to go to our website, www.localnetchoice.org. That's localnetchoice.org. And uh, poke around our website. Uh, if you support the, the principles for which we stand, which are laid out on the website, uh, you, you can uh, join us. We would love to have you join us, and then we will follow up with uh, – uh, frequent communications and uh, other information. Uh, that would be the best way to get started. And um, what is like your next big initiative? Well, um, right now the uh, FCC proceeding is uh, underway. We encourage as many uh, individuals and organizations to file comments in that proceeding. Uh, whether or not the uh, commenters agree with the uh, legal issues on preemption, it's important for the FCC to understand the significance of local choice, uh, the contributions that uh, public networks have made, the uh, benefits of public-private partnerships uh, where that has occurred, uh, even examples of how communities have worked together with incumbents to advance uh, communications networks in their communities. Um, as, as a country, again, the core important issue for us is that it takes strong communities to have a strong and productive and innovative country. We want as many communities in the U.S. to have access to advanced communications capabilities as possible. Whatever way they can get there, we support as long as it's their choice and it's not imposed on them by, the, uh, by outside interest, uh, particularly uh, carriers who have an incentive to restrict local choice. Precisely. So please file comments if you have an interest in this uh, on the, uh, the CLIC website we have instructions on how uh, you can file comments, uh, samples, and uh, you know, please do participate. The FCC needs to hear a broad range of uh, views on this so that it will have 
a good record in front of it in which to make uh, intelligent decisions about how to proceed. Well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. It's been very helpful. Um, you know, Google paid $3.1 million for DoubleClick, so maybe you can at least get a billion out of them for click. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the opportunity, and uh, I, I wish you well in your series. You, you do great work on this station. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Best of luck to you again, Jim Baller, um, with Click, and um, we'll definitely be monitoring this story as it goes along. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have the race for Congress heating up. After these messages, you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only Stay tuned Radio. for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix... So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly. Um, you're listening to the Cyberlaw Business Report. You know, one thing that's coming up in, as we transition from August to September is the fall campaign and the race for Congress. And um, I happen to know several people this year who are in, involved in races for Congress. And, and one of them actually is a, a, a distant relative, uh, Michael Mac McKenna. Who last, um, who yesterday won a decisive primary victory in the Florida's 10th congressional district, which is kind of centered around Orlando. And, um, we have him on the line to talk about, um, the race for Congress as it heats up. And, um, so, um, congratulations to the Democratic nominee for the Florida's 10th congressional district. Mac, you with us? Oh, yeah, I am. How are you today? I'm um, fine. Thank you. So um, you were in a three-way race with um, uh, a former elected official and the, the lawyer for the Trayvon Martin family, and yet you, you emerged with a decisive victory with 50% of the vote. Yeah, it was pretty good. We, uh, you know, my name is Mike McKenna, and uh, I, I won yesterday. And uh, we 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 focused around uh, a door-to-door, a, a, a true grassroots campaign. 
And uh, we were able to successfully get to the doors of well over 50,000 voters. And uh, it appears that that face-to-face interaction, that personal contact, it, it obviously paid off. Uh, on the introduction, I, I flubbed and I said, instead of saying you knocked on doors, I said you knocked uh, knocked over 50,000 doors. Uh, I think that would have gotten you a little bit of infamy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, we, uh, we, we, we walked through a couple pairs of shoes. Yes, I can imagine. But I, you know, that is basically, you know, that's that's retail politics at its finest. And so, what are voters? Since you know, I have a good friend who, who's one of the top Republican pollsters. But I mean, you probably are just as qualified to say, you know, what are what some voters' minds at the moment? Well, the biggest concerns are the fact that there's nothing being delivered to the American people, and they're tired of this stalemate in Congress and this worth a game of chess that we've ever seen. And, and what they want to see is they want to see something come out of Congress that's going to benefit the American people. Other than naming a post office down the street, they want to see more money go into their own pockets, which is the concern of every single person. And uh, they're not getting results from anywhere from Washington, they feel. And uh, they want a representative who is willing to get in front of them face-to-face that they can actually talk to, who will listen to them and not just hear their complaints. We're talking about Mike McKenna. Mike, um, give us a, back, a little bit about your background and, and, and what made you run for Congress. No, I did. Uh, I started off in the uh, United States Navy. I did 14 years, uh, became a, a Navy chief, uh, was selected, uh, recruited for the Navy SEALs for uh, about seven and a half years. And uh, what kind of got me interested in running for office, I've always been interested in talking to people, but as I was out there on the recruiting field, walking around and talking to people, we began to hear some of the uh, the real-life stories of, of the American people and, and what were kind of what was on their minds. And uh, we started to see a lot of the cutbacks uh, happening in the defense budget, and we started to see uh, the soldiers and the sailors and the airmen and the Marines, uh, that they were starting to pay the, the price for the mistakes in Congress. And, and I kind of just said enough is enough and, and decided to leave the service and, and run for office. Now, one thing that comes up often is, you know, whether or not we've fulfilled our commitments to the vets of the you know, the last two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, what's the, what is the feeling that you're hearing from people, the vets in, in your district? The, the answer to that is no, we have not fulfilled our obligations. And, uh, you know, it comes down as recent as uh, the other day, I was at Maggiano's, uh, a great Italian restaurant, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to this gentleman who is a Marine Corps veteran. He's been waiting two years to go in and see a doctor for PTSD. Uh, that's unsatisfactory. Two years to go in and see a doctor is not uh, how any military veteran should be treated. Now, the VAs down here in Florida, uh, I think that they are exceptional as far as their service, but that wait time is what we need to go ahead and, and get fixed immediately. And its simple solution is we need to make sure that they have the budget they need to bring on the doctors who can treat these veterans. Well, they, they very much like it. You know, they, they like the idea that um, I'm all about uh, cutting the waste, fraud, and abuse and, and not purchasing large-scale items that we don't need and taking that money to redirect it to the primary focus, which are the men and women who risk their lives on a daily basis to make sure they get treated. And, and, and I live in a, I'm fortunate enough to live in, in the district where we have so many veterans that it is a major concern because we have almost 23% of uh, the veterans in the district use our local VAs. Wow. Now, let's tell, talk a little about the district. You know, explain to, because this is a national audience, explain you know, what is the makeup of the Florida's 10th district. It goes, the uh, district itself is Polk County, Lake County, and, uh, of course, portions of Orange County. Uh, it is being... Uh, after this election cycle is done, we're going to be looking at uh, a complete re-overhaul of the district itself uh, due to the gerrymandering case that was just uh, going through court now. But they, uh, the makeup of it is, uh, I mean, it's uh, pr- primarily, uh, primarily a, a white-dominated district, but we do have a good number of uh, split majorities between African-Americans and Latino-Hispanics. And your opponent is a guy named um, Dan Webster, which seems to have a, a good historical ring to it. Um, but he doesn't—he doesn't quite seem to be living up to the reputation of his namesake. No, he's not. And, and you know, you're—you're you're absolutely right. He's not living up to the reputation of his namesake. Um, when you go out and you talk to the voters, uh, you, you're, you talk to them, and, and they tell you that they haven't seen him. 
They haven't seen the results that he's uh, that he has delivered, and many of their complaints and their concerns have gone unanswered, and that is a concern when you have a representative who's supposed to be listening and be your voice, and he's not willing to go ahead and do that, and that is a serious problem. And a prime example is when you look at Lake County, he's had uh, over 20, uh, 20 different complaints uh, for the Americans with Disabilities Act, and all of those have gone unanswered. And um, you know, one thing that's got a lot of attention about the, the incumbent, Mr. Uh, Mr. Webster, is that he's he is he is um, a self-described Tea Party Republican, is he not? Uh, he is. Yes, he is. He is definitely a member of the Tea Party. Yes. And he's he's definitely espoused some you know, extreme positions. One, I believe, being that a, a woman should submit to her husband. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, no matter what, no matter what happens in that household, that woman should submit. Yes. And um, and so, you know, and he's also been a strong advocate of government shutdowns and things of that nature. Correct. And he also, yes, he is a strong advocate for, for shutting down the government. Uh, he will not go ahead and, and waver either way. And, uh, and, and again, we that is that is a problem because the majority of the district does, does not want to see that government shut down. They wanted a solution, and he was unable to provide that solution. Mac McKenna, the Democratic nominee for Florida's 10th Congressional District. And we were talking about, you know, there's only some 70 days left in the election before, you know, election day. And what, what's going to be um, the, the key issues discussed and what's going to define who wins this district? Well, I think the, the biggest uh, decision factor in this race is going to be who gets out and meets more voters. Uh, that's going to be the, that's going to be it right there. I think the the person that gets in front of the American people and listens to them, and uh, and, and goes ahead and comes up with solutions to some of these problems that we have right now, and and somebody who's willing to go ahead and deliver results, that's going to be the difference. The topics that we find are going to be discussed is going to be ways to go ahead and fix the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, and uh, to stop this nonsense of trying to a speeding train that's already in motion, but instead of instead of trying to repeal it and, and get rid of it and defund it, but we'd rather go ahead and, and put solutions to the problem. Uh, that's going to be one of the biggest concerns that we are going to be discussing as this race moves forward. And um, and so, how you? What is your plan? How how are you going to um, focus the election? Uh, my plan is to go out there and just meet as many voters as we can and, and get face to face. You know, we we have a lot of veterans in this district. A lot of the a lot of the American people have uh, the consensus is, is that there needs to be change. That we need to basically clean the house that's up there now. Um, and in this district, they're looking for somebody who's young, who's energetic, who uh, has leadership experience, and is admits openly that you know I don't have all the answers and I don't have all the solutions, but I am willing to go ahead and listen to both sides and make the appropriate decision to what's going to benefit the people of the district and the rest of the country. And, and that is my plan is to just go ahead and continue to meet as many people as we can and get the word out that one of us, the average American person, is running for office. And, you know, uh, when you look at how much money I raised and then you look at the, the stats for the votes that came in the other day, uh, I, I truly believe that I'm, I'm the best representative of the people. You know, I, we, we didn't go over $6,000 in fundraising, and we had a really good marginal victory the other day. So, Yeah, well, what was the funding like for your opponents in the primary? Um, one of uh, We had one opponent who was into the 60000s and the other was in 40000 and uh, both of those opponents spent a good majority of each of those, each of those pots. Um, and we have a little, we have a very small war chest, but... Uh, we use it wisely, and it paid off. So you were outspent five to one, and you won. Correct. That's quite. That's quite an achievement. And now yeah, it, spoken, I'm very. I'm, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> have you spoken with anyone from the DCCC about you know the, the party taking a, a bigger role in the fall campaign? No, we we have not. We actually had reached out to the DCCC before, and uh, we also reached out to the other uh, Democratic parties here in Florida, and all of them wanted to wait and see what the results were going to be of the primary, and hopefully now that we've made it through the primary uh, and they can see that uh, we are a well-proven candidate now, that uh, we will get the support that we need to go ahead and move forward. And, uh, you know, we hope for it, but we're, we don't count on anything. You know, Bennett, we're going we're gonna to continue to run the race as though we're losing, and we're going to go right... For the next uh, for the next sixty eight days in a wake up, we're going to be on the ground. 
Now, you know, um, Florida has a tradition, actually, of, of candidates um, going door-to-door. I mean, look, there's the famous <laughs> walk-in Lawton child who walked across the state of Florida in his first campaign for governor. And, um, you know, is, is that unique to Florida, or do you think, you know, it basically grassroots wins everywhere? I, I think grassroots will win everywhere if it's done the right way and if it's true grassroots. Grassroots is not just going and speaking in front of large crowds and large groups, but it's actually going to meet the voters at their front door. That's grassroots. And you talked about the former governor. He's just an, he's just another example of somebody that I look back at through history as we were getting ready to go out and campaign and, and you know, took ideas and took some of his strategy and applied it to my race, and it was successful and it paid off. So uh, what's the what's the number one issue for you, you think, in this race? Uh, moving forward, uh, the number one concern that I have and the number, number one issue is the separation of church and state that we have right now up in, in Washington, D.C., and making sure that we have equality uh, across the board and making sure that every single American has the right to live as an American the way that they choose to live. And that is the number one concern I think that I have right now, is that that's when it's not being given to, to everyone. What do you mean in terms of how, 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 how does that relate to the separation of church and state? Just that, you know, a, a lot of individuals feel as though uh, when you're up there, particularly let's talk about the incumbent that's down here now. Uh, he doesn't believe in supporting uh, of equal rights. He doesn't support uh, the LGBTA community, and he doesn't support, obviously, like we already discussed, he doesn't support the fact that a woman has the right to make her own decisions. And at the end of the day, how I believe religiously does not define me as an American. It, it's how I, uh, it's how that, that's me personally, and we have got to keep those, you know, we've got to keep those separate. And um, and so you, so basically, you, you, you're saying that the congressman is too extreme on issues such as choice and um, and religious freedom. Way too extreme. Way too extreme, and that line, and, and he's been known for that. He's he's been like that for years. And there there's an extreme, and then there's of course you know going down the middle. And he he will not falter. He will not deviate from where he's going. And you you cannot do that. You you can't do that. You can't talk about believing in American freedom and then going ahead and restricting their right to have freedom. You you can't do that. It just doesn't make sense, and it doesn't work. And that's unfortunately the way that this this man believes. Are there any ballot measures that might affect what's going on in your district this this election? Uh, no, we had actually we didn't have anything. There's been no. Uh, are you talking about polling wise? No, I'm, whether there's any, um, for example, some states if there's a proposition on the ballot, it can you know cause a surge in you know turnout for one you know one based on the issue that. Oh yeah. Yeah, we have the mar- the marijuana, uh, the legalization for medical marijuana right now is the uh, is one of the biggest draws that's going to be coming out this November. Uh, it is going to pull out a majority of the voters, especially the the voters between the ages of you know 18 to 26. We're expecting there to be a high volume, um, but I, I I think that's going to be a really big draw for this uh, for this coming November. And have you taken a position on that? Oh, absolutely. I support that. There's no question about that. I mean, uh, who would not support uh, anything that we could do or any measure to go ahead and alleviate the pain of an individual who's suffering? There's, there, we should not, there should be no reason for that. Now, I know this is a tension between states and the feds over um, medical marijuana and you know, to what extent it's, it's recognized. But um, how does that play in with respect to the care from the VA, which is federal? Um, well, it's, you're right. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing up a fantastic point that there is the, the line there where you've got the federal care of veterans and you've got these, the, each state making its decisions. But at the end of the day, we have to do what's going to be best for the patients. And when you have so many soldiers and sailors and Marines that are suffering from different sicknesses and diseases and illnesses, we do have to make sure that they get the right treatment. And uh, I would go ahead and do whatever we need to do and support whatever we have to support to make sure that they get the treatment no matter which state they reside in. And I, I know that that's going to become an issue as we go forward. But you, you can't go ahead and just, just take it off the table just, you know, because it's not uh, because our one state doesn't recognize it when, when we go ahead and, and look at it from the perspective you just mentioned. Well, I know we only have a few minutes left. If people want to learn more about you and your campaign, how should they do so? They can go to my website. It's Michael McKenna. Uh, it's uh, it's www.mckennaforcongress 
congress.com. It's M-C-K-E-N-N-A for the F-O-R, congress.com. And uh, you can find me on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, I do have open access, so if somebody does have questions or concerns, any of their questions or their emails, it does go directly to me. And we do have uh, a really good system right now of getting back to uh, everyone who requests information or has questions within 24 hours. So uh, I, any listener out there that has questions or concerns or suggestions to solutions to some of the problems that we have going on in the world and around the United States uh, in 10th District or wherever you reside, please do not be afraid to reach out and let me know. And if you win, will you be on the show in January? Uh, you bet. If, if I win, you call me January, and I'll be on live. Absolutely. <laughs> and by then, we'll have the phone system fixed, um, figured out. That, but that'll be, that'll be fine. I just want to say, Ben, and I greatly appreciate the time, and, and I appreciate all the listeners that went out and are, are have already voted this year, uh, whether it be a primary, and who are getting ready to join another primary coming up. I know other states do have primaries coming later on. So if yeah. you're in a state that hasn't had a primary yet, and they're getting ready to please get out and vote. This is the most powerful weapon the American people have against what's happening in Washington is their vote, and I hope that every one of your listeners goes out and expresses that that power. Oh, I'm here, here on that. So nice talking to you, Matt. Congratulations again, and uh, we'll be in touch. And um, everyone, this has been another edition of Cyberlon Business Report. Um, we'll be having our 150th episode shortly. Um, but I um, want to thank you, everyone, our guests, and have a great week and safe Labor Day weekend to everyone. Um, courts adjourned. Thank you. Thanks again. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.